This is CliffCentral.com. Fear is a powerful thing. I mean, it's got a lot of firepower. If you can figure out a way to wrestle that fear, to push you from behind rather than stand in front of you, that's very powerful. I have agreed. Multiplying leadership, moving society the millennial way. You don't want to end up going after goals and dreams and neglect yourself. Welcome to the Youth Leadership Platform with your host, Bongani Dao. Take control. Take control of your city. This is the instrument of your liberation. See, old friend, I brought more soldiers than you did. Identify yourself to the world. Youth Leadership Platform. Hello, Siri. Are you real? I'll leave that for you to decide. She's going to leave that for me to decide. I've decided she's not. Welcome to Studio Susan. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. Awesome. Um, that's, that's quite a delight. I, I've been looking forward to, to, to this interview. <laughs> well, I hope you're not disappointed. <laughs> I, I hope not. I hope not. But I, I don't think I'll be, I don't think I'll be you, you awesome enough. So it's, it's, it's very chilled, very chilled. <laughs> I'm curious though. I, I got a, a follow, um, from, from your account on, on Twitter. Does somebody else handle that account? Yes. Um, I'm not all that involved in social media, although I know I should be. So my son is, uh, is always, uh, prompting me to, to be more active. And, uh, a friend of his has a company called Fanbase, and they are the ones that work primarily on my Twitter account. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I, strange enough, I, I, I got a follow on my, on my Twitter account and I, and I looked at it. And I'm like, okay, um, who's this person? And then I checked the following. I'm like, okay. This is a very prominent person. And then I checked the bio. I'm like the original voice of Siri. So I quickly jumped to, to YouTube and I check it out and I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> Follow back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do something about this uh, uh, later on. So uh, I'm quite excited. We, we, we start with, um, Vermont where you originally born, uh, I gather. Right. I was born in Burlington, Vermont. Mm hmm. And uh, I'm not telling the year, but you could calculate it, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. From there, I lived all over New England, uh, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and then finally ended up in upstate New York, where I went to junior high and high school. Mm. At that point in time, what, what was the, the political climate like? And what were some of your dreams as, as a young girl? Well, uh, it, was a, it was actually a pretty tumultuous time. The late 60s were, uh, you know, quite a time of um, people working towards civil rights. And there were there was a lot of protesting. And uh, it was the beginning of the hippies <laughs> in 1967. <laughs> and so it was a pretty tumultuous time. Um, I ended up going to college at Brown University. And at that point in time, I was really confused about what I wanted to do. I knew that I had certain talents in the arts, but I wasn't really sure that I could make a living doing that. So I was really... Uh, I didn't really have any one particular goal for myself at that time. Mm. Uh, so so it, it was just in the arts, something had to pop there. 
Right. Um, I had been singing professionally, singing and playing piano professionally all throughout college. And so I suspected that I might have something to do with that, which, of course, I did. <laughs> <laughs> with, and then with, with the with the Cheddar Talks, the, the which, mm-hmm. you know, finally ended up uh, found me as the, the voice of Siri. Uh, that I came about rather accidentally. So I've had some very good fortune in my life. I've, I've had some uh, very fortuitous moments <laughs> that ended up being really uh, wonderful for me. With, with the Cheddar Talks, I'm, I'm going to take you a bit back um, just to, uh-huh. to, 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 to get a bit of background before we, we get to, to some of the exciting parts. Um, with, with, with the Cheddar Talks, what, what was it like um, being in a band and what were some of, the, of, of your dreams as a brand? What were you trying to achieve? Well, the Chatter Talks weren't really a band. It was mostly a cappella singing group. We actually had two guitars playing as well, but it was a, you know, it was a harmony group and um, it was really, really fun. And even then I was very interested in having, leaving something behind. So I was, uh, I was the leader of the Chatter Talks for a couple of years and we ended up doing a, a recording. Um, and so, at, it, which at the time was a record album. And that was a really fun thing to, so, you know, even to this day, I'll, I'll listen to it every once in a while and just, you know, have some very fond memories. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I also sang in a band called Conglomerate, which was kind of a jazz band. Um, and we used to play, we used to, in the summers, uh, to make money, we would drive to Newport, Rhode Island, which is a big resort town, um, fantastic food, beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would, uh, play there, I think it was six nights a week. Sheesh. That must have been hectic. Well, you know, when you're, you know, 18, 19 years old, you can do that sort of thing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Not when you grow older, but at, at the time, it's, 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 quite, it's quite amazing and it's quite exciting, I guess, um, experiencing, going out, meeting new people, um, making new acquaintances and I guess performing to some of the crowds. Do, do you have any bad memories from, from, from those travels? Only just one instance with a club owner, and I'll have to say that that's kind of a uh, a regular <laughs> a regular occurrence for for most working musicians. Yes, yes. <laughs> There's always some something that the club owner doesn't like. <laughs> <laughs> so what actually happened? Uh, well, oh dear. Uh, it turns out that uh, there was uh, quite a bit of uh, mafia influence in. Uh, in Rhode Island at the time. Sure. And uh, we believe our club owner was, was one of those uh, gentlemen, shall we say. And uh, <laughs> we had a problem with him. He, he, he was very upset with us because he wasn't, uh, his, his restaurant and bar was not particularly successful at the time. And he was blaming us and uh, our, our young, our very young bass player, you know, stood up to him and, and said, well, my grandmother lives next door to Raymond Patriarca, and suddenly he backed off because that guy was the head of the entire uh, ah. the entire New England. <laughs> 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 I can't remember if we worked uh, if we continued working there after that or not, but I would suspect not. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very very fascinating story. Now, yeah. a, a, a bit of trivia before we, we actually get to, to, to the main one, um, trying to understand okay. more about uh, your background in history as well. What does what your past smell like? What does my past smell like? Yes. Oh, boy. Uh, Clorox. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Take us through that. I like the smell of Clorox myself. <laughs> <laughs> Take us through that. What are, what are some of the memories you have with, 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 with that? 
oh, I was kind of being funny. I, I, it would be really hard to, to, to choose a smell of my past. I guess, I guess an ocean smell because I lived in New England for a long time and, and, uh, on, you know, close to the ocean. And, uh, so I have fond memories of, you know, fried clams and lobsters and, uh, and just the, the beach. Mm -hmm. What, what is it, what does it sound like? Well, it sounds like waves crashing against the shore. Of course. So you spent a lot of time on, on, on the coast then? Well, I lived there, you know, uh, I lived in, uh, Boston and Providence. And so those are, those cities are, are right on the ocean. And, uh, then I moved inland in grade six and, uh, then moved back to Providence for college. So yeah, the ocean was a, was a fairly significant part of my past. Mm. And when, when you got to Brown, I'm, I'm of a mind that you studied classics. What, Is, is that true? And what inspired that? Uh, it was the, the inspiration was really the professor. There was a professor there, John Workman, who was a really amazing man. And somehow he was able to take the subject of Latin <laughs> and make it interesting. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason that I was attracted to Latin is because if you know Latin, you basically know a little bit about a lot of Romance languages as well as English because many of the roots come of all of the words come from Latin. Mm. And so at one point I had considered being a teacher. And so, um, so Latin was really attractive to me, especially because, uh, the professor, Professor Workman was, was, uh, was really, really a very charismatic man and made it very interesting. It was hard work, uh, in, in high school. We would have to translate maybe 50 lines a night. Sure. And in college, we had to translate 200. So Sheesh. it was a, it was a big difference. Yeah. It was a lot of work. Sure. And I'm, I'm sure even the standard works that you had to read was a hefty lot of books then. Uh, yes. I, I don't really remember exactly what I read. Um, to tell you the truth, it's so long ago, but yes, we, we read a lot. <laughs> and, and, and have you carried that throughout, um, even to this day? I mean, the culture of, of, of reading. No, I don't remember much Latin at this point in time, but um, I do I do remember some of the uh, the roots of words that, that came from Latin. So, you know, it helped me. It helped me along the way. And, and what about the, the culture of reading um, itself? Did you carry that uh, throughout to this day? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm not a jealous person, but I remember in second grade being very envious of this girl, mm -hmm. Nancy Lawton. I remember her name because <laughs> she, she could pick up a book and just flawlessly read aloud in this book. And I looked at that and said, I want to be able to do that, mm. which is so funny because I had, that ended up being my career. <laughs> and um, so I think throughout my life and especially You know, as I got into high school and started uh, reading books and, of course, reading lots of books in college, I, I've continued reading. I, I read all the time. I mean, I read to the point where at this stage of my life, I read so much that, that many times I, I forget what I've read. <laughs> Because I, as soon as I put down one book, I, I start another. So, yeah. Well, what's your current favorite one, though, if you think? The current favorite one, I just read um, a book called The Female Persuasion by Meg Wallitzer. Interesting. And uh, I thought that was Very well written. Um, I just started a book called Autumn, and I can't even remember the the author. I think it's a debut novel, and it's uh, very well written. Hmm. So I um, I like to do I like to do uh, current literature, but I also like to to do um, mysteries occasionally, and uh, I like to mix it up a bit. Do you have an all time favorite in, in in terms of 
you you speaking about the style of writing you you speaking about the precision in in the writing of the authors that you whose books you're currently reading do you have an all-time favorite author that you know just does it for you it would be really hard to choose just one um as far as you know contemporary i i like a lot of the female contemporary authors and as far as learning words i don't you know i don't care how educated you are if you read anything by elizabeth george you know, you better have a dictionary with you. <laughs> some of the words she used, she's an English author and a mystery writer. And uh, some of the vocabulary she uses is, is quite challenging. So that's that's kind of uh, interesting. Sheesh, Elizabeth George. I'm, I'm going to look her up. Elizabeth Gilbert is, is, is one of my favorites because uh, she's, oh, yes. uh-huh. she's, she's a darling. Yeah, inspirational. Inspirational, yes. yeah. Yes, 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 yes. She's a darling. So now transitioning from uh, Brown and, and, and moving into now registering, did you move straight away to being with uh, GM Voice or GM Box? Oh, no, no. Um, that came much later. When I first, uh, I got married right after graduation and my right. husband and I moved to Atlanta because my first husband was a, uh, ended up being a professional hockey player. And he was traded from the New York Rangers to a brand new team called the Atlanta Flames. Mm-hmm. And so we moved to Atlanta after living in New England my whole life. So that was quite a change. But we both fell in love with the city and I have continued to live here. So I really made Atlanta my home. And I consider myself, you know, more of an Atlantan than, than a New Englander at this point. <laughs> and, uh, and after I got here, I continued singing and playing in clubs and restaurants. And I had the opportunity to do a lot of work in recording studios, singing, uh, you know, behind other artists, but also I did a lot of radio and television commercials and singing jingles for those things. Mm-hmm. I also had a chance to uh, sing backup vocals and go on tour with uh, Burt Bacharach and Roy Orbison. So um, very pretty big names. Yes, so that was yes, very yes. Mm-hmm. But most of what I did was, was work in the recording studio, which led to my doing voice work, uh, which, of course, led to being the voice of Siri. Which um, company did you sign uh, with first? Well, uh, for voice work, I mostly worked with Atlanta Models and Talent, which is still um, one of the bigger agencies here in town. Mm-hmm. And I was exclusive with them for many, many years, and I, I had a lot of success with them. So, um, yeah, they were they were very, very good to me. Uh, and then are they the ones that, that lended you the gig with uh, First National Bank of Atlanta? Well, uh, a lot of the singing work that I did was just... Um, I was hired by the actual studio itself, Okay. which I did a lot of work at a, at a studio called Doppler, which was here in Atlanta for 46 years. They just closed last year. What? Um, yeah, that was, that was really the end of an era. And um, yeah, so I did a lot of work for them. And First National Bank in Atlanta was a was a, a jingle, actually. I didn't do the voiceover. I sang the jingle oh, for okay. Tilly, the all-time teller. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yep. Could you, could you give us a bit of that? I'm Tilly, the all-time teller. I work for First National Bank. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So in, 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 in this transition, there's classics, there's reading, there's um, traveling or being on the road, um, singing and, and backing up these um, major na- names. What, what was your, your, your why at that point in time? What was my why? Yes. Well, I think always my... My goal and uh, the reason for doing things was to try to utilize 
whatever gifts I was given. Hmm. And I was given a talent for music. And so I did a lot of uh, work with music. And then, of course, that that kind of uh, morphed into uh, something more with voice, uh, the spoken word, as opposed to just the, the sung word. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so that was one big why. And another why was, uh, you know, to make a living. And what, was it very successful at the time or somewhere yes, in the I middle? Did. I worked. Yes, I worked uh, pretty much every day. So I was very fortunate. Hmm. And then when does now Scansoft um, come in to the picture? Okay, I started working for GM Voices in the late 80s, and they mostly do uh, messaging yes. work for different companies. Um, you know, thank you for calling. Please press one. Wow. <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. So I have worked for them for decades at this point. And at one point in time, which happened to be 2005, Uh, we started to see some new scripts and um, very different scripts, uh, which ended up being text-to-speech scripts mm -hmm. or interactive voice recognition. And I think that uh, at the time, and I've talked to other original Siri voices that had the same experience, we didn't really know what we were doing. We didn't know that we were going to end up being um, Siri or any other virtual assistant. Um We we thought that we were just going to be doing phone messaging mm. uh, or work for phone systems. And I guess technically you could say that Siri is part of a very sophisticated phone system. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, being Siri ended up being quite a surprise. We, you know, we really thought we were just doing, you know, sort of anonymous phone work. Interesting. And at, at, at this point, what you were reading is only at the test phase, you know, the technicians and the IT guys are still trying to put things together. So when does Scansoft then um, meet with um, Apple and start pitching this to them or the acquisition that, that um, eventually happened? Well, you know, I don't know any of that. I, I have no, um, you know, I've never been recognized by Apple per se. Uh, I have been recognized by Steve Wozniak, who was, was uh, Steve Jobs' partner and mm -hmm. who built the Apple machines. Um, but, The uh, none of that has ever been um, made public. Mm. And so I don't know any of that information. I don't know if, you know, I think Apple came in after the fact and ultimately they purchased Nuance, I believe. Um, but, you know, the, the, the voice talent, we were just that, you know, we, we showed up and we read scripts and we provided the sound of our voice. And that's really the only, we had absolutely no control over, over what went on you know, or, or how our voice, you know, many times in the digital age, mm -hmm. you know, us who are voice actors are auditioning without even knowing it because, you know, we'll be on somebody's website and, you know, the person will go and listen to the website and say, Oh, I like her voice. And then suddenly we have a job. So oh, yeah. it's a, you know, technology has totally changed all that. In the past, when we had the prospect of a new job, we would go into the agent's office and audition. Mm. And sometimes you get to meet the client and it was much more of a human interaction type of situation. Whereas now, of course, everything is uh, run through computers. 2011, I think, when the first iPhone 4 was launched, a friend of yours um, gives you a call and says, isn't this you? Where are you? What's your reaction to that? And what happened? Well, he actually emailed me and okay. said, uh, we're, we're playing around with this new iPhone app. Isn't this you? And I said, what? <laughs> I had no knowledge of it. So I went on the Apple site and I listened and I said, yeah, that's me. Wow. 
um, I felt very ambivalent. Uh, on one hand, it was very cool to have been chosen to basically be the new voice of Apple. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I had never worked directly for Apple. I'd never been paid by Apple and I didn't know what on earth Siri was. <laughs> and so it was a, it was a huge surprise and it took me a while to get used to it, to tell you the truth. And now at, at, at this point, now you're, 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 you're famous. Did, did, did you then start owning the voice then, or it took a bit of time so what was the transition like from hearing yourself, you know, the very first time as this virtual assistant to now coming out and, and doing all these talks that you're doing, which I want us to, to, to get into a bit later on? Well, it took many, many months because I really couldn't make up my mind. Basically, I'm, I'm much more of an introvert than an extrovert. I really had no desire to be famous. I had never aspired to fame. I had never worked toward it. I, I had no interest in it. And so suddenly I was, you know, accidentally famous, uh, being the, this persona. And I was very concerned about it affecting my career because people have a tendency to stereotype you or typecast you. Mm -hmm. And so if people knew me as the voice of Siri, they, they might think, Oh, well, she's the voice of Siri. She can't do anything but that. Oh, yes. And I was very concerned about uh, about it affecting my career because I love what I do and I didn't want it to affect my career. Mm -hmm. And so I really, uh, I was really reluctant to reveal myself for a very long time. Finally, after months and months and months, uh, my husband and my son both mm -hmm. just really felt they they really were trying to persuade me all that time and said, you're really missing out on a very unique opportunity. And I finally thought, no, nope, they're right. I just need to to make this leap of faith and just go ahead and reveal myself and see what happens. And it turned out to be great. <laughs> how, how has it been um, since then? Well, uh, it's it's been really wonderful. I had a lot of uh, really fun, interesting uh, things happen to me that would not have happened if I hadn't been the voice of Siri. I did a mm -hmm. lot of television appearances on CNN, HLN. I read the top 10 list for David Letterman. I was on the Queen Latifah show, Jeez. Mariah Carey show, to tell the truth. And I got a fabulous agent in Los Angeles, Wes Stevens at Vox, he and his team. And um, I did hundreds of interviews, of course. And then uh, finally, I started to do Siri appearances and presentations. And I'm doing quite a few of those now. And of course, I could not have done that had I not been the voice of Siri. So mm. it's ended up being a really wonderful thing and, and, and a whole new career for me. So it's been very cool. Wow. <laughs> so b before we, we continue with, with the serious stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm going to break this um, for a moment and we're going to play a, a trivia. So I'm going to need you to answer these um, quick fire questions with your Siri voice. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Mm -hmm. What color is your toothbrush? I have more than one. <laughs> what's what's number one on your bucket list going back to italy what is the strangest thing you've ever eaten snake describe yourself in three words strong kind empathetic what is your favorite movie quote you looking at me what would you do for fun on mars i've been to mars it's not fun at all if you could time travel where would you go I would go back to 1963 and hopefully prevent the assassination of John F. Kennedy. What's your favorite song? I can't name just one, but if I had to, I would say Give Me Shelter by the Rolling Stones. What is your favorite TV show? At the moment, The Americans. Who's your favorite author? Can't say. 
too many. What fortune would you ask from a fortune cookie? Good health and happy life. What did you eat for breakfast, lastly? A Quest bar. <laughs> that was epic, 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 epic. Thank you so much for that. Um, so moving, um, transitioning, what, what, what would you describe as uh, authentic leadership since we are a leadership show? Well, I think a good leader is able to, first of all, I think it's important for leaders to be good. And we're kind of in a mess with that, with uh, the leaders in the world at this point in time. I, I think it is uh, necessary for them to be smart and have good hearts. Uh, but it's also important for them to be able to delegate authority to people who um, are experts in whatever field they're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think intelligence is, is very important, but also um consideration for everyone not just their not just their wealthy cronies <laughs> <laughs> if we if we had to look at uh principle as pillars what are your three pillars um education mm -hmm. empathy mm -hmm. and uh here uh, uh persistence persistence okay okay so now for, for, for the final segment of, of, of the show and, and the home run, what I want us to talk about is you've currently uh, been embarking on a new journey, owning the voice of Siri. You're doing TED Talks and you're doing a lot of um, interviews as well. I saw a couple of the hashtags that, you, that you're using and you want to speak more and engage people more. Walk us through that journey and, and, and tell us about this, this phase of your life. Well, it started a couple of years ago when I was invited to speak at a Chamber of Commerce meeting here in Atlanta, and I discovered how interested people were in the story of Siri. And even to this day, there are still people that don't understand that there is a human uh, behind all of these digital voices that you're hearing all the time. And so I figured, oh, there's a, there's really a story here, and there's, there's a, a, a whole new career, actually. And so I put together, you know, over the, the past couple of years, um, mm -hmm. I now have a 45-minute PowerPoint presentation, and I talk about how the recordings were done. I talk about technology from a human point of view, from an artist's point of view, as opposed to a technician's point of view. Oh, mm -hmm. And the, the human side of Siri and how the voice was recorded, I talk about the fact that uh, my career as a, a voice actor uh, enabled me to be in the running to become the voice of Siri. So I talk about that mm -hmm. and I do a lot of uh, voice impressions for people, which they, they find entertaining. <laughs> and then I also talk about the fact that uh, it was such a surprise and it was such a big deal that it became quite a life lesson for me. Mm -hmm. So I talk about all these things. Give us a glimpse as well of, of, of that life lesson. Obviously, I've listened to it, but, you know, for the benefits of the people that will be listening to this podcast. Well, as you go through life, you're going to find that, that you may have a goal, but you don't always have a destination. Everything changes. And so you have to adjust and adapt and move on in your life. And so becoming Siri, uh, the original voice of Siri was um, a surprise for me. Mm -hmm. And it was a, uh, it was definitely a challenge because as I said before, I'm an introvert and I really wasn't very interested in um, exposing myself to mm. that. So it took a while for me to adjust to it. And I think that the basic underlying problem was fear. 
And I think we all face fear in uh, so many different ways throughout yeah. our lives. Uh, of course, depending on our individual situations, of course, there, there's, you know, physical fear and then there's mental fear. And sometimes we create uh, worse fear than actually exists, which I'm afraid I did with the, uh, with the Siri thing. It took me a very long time to decide to take that risk and jump out there mm. and um, expose myself basically um, to, to all of that. And so the lesson that I learned was, you know, sometimes you do have to take a risk and you don't really move forward or learn anything unless you do step out of that, uh, what they like to call the comfort zone. Mm, you know, mm, if, mm. if you're too comfort, if you're getting bored, well, then you need to, to find something else to do, you know, because there, there's a lot of opportunity out there. There's a lot, there's a lot going on that you may not even know about. So, mm. you know, learning things, finding new opportunities, it's, you know, it, it, nobody can do anything for you. Mm. You have to do it for yourself. Mm. People can influence you and people can advise you. Mm. But the only person that can really do anything for you is you. So, mm. <laughs> uh, the, you know, the, it's, it's our, each individual's, you know, uh, responsibility to, uh, to have a life. You know, you can't blame it on anyone else. How have you overcome fear? You know, I gave a talk to, to a group of students not so long ago and, they asked me about this question of fear, fear, fear. And I, I froze for a moment because I, I thought about it and it, it's something, it's, it's constantly there. But Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, I think, I think what you have to do is, is understand that it's there. It, it's a part of life. And of course, sometimes fear protects us. Mm. You know, if we get into a, you know, a funky situation and it's dark and you're all by yourself and you can't see anybody and, you know, of course, it makes sense for you to be afraid for yourself physically and maybe get yourself out of that situation. But sometimes we have fears that are created because of uh, where our minds want to wander. Mm. And so often we try to compare ourselves to other people or we imagine that situations are going to be unattainable. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times we create our own fears or definitely exacerbate those fears, make them much, much worse. And I think that dealing with it comes somewhat with experience because, you know, I'm, I'm 68 years old Mm -hmm. and I still have fear Mm -hmm. and I still have concern and I'm still learning that lesson. And, uh, I think what you have to remember about yourself, especially as a kid, you know, um, you're, you're learning all the time and, and take advantage of learning and learn as much as you can. The more you know, the more opportunities you'll have and the better chance you will have of making good decisions. And so, but the thing is, you know, try not to compare yourself too much to other people, because I personally feel that we really are on an individual life's path. We all have our own thing that we're going through in this lifetime. And so it's important to accept who we are Hmm. and try to ask more of ourselves, you know, uh, try to push ourselves a little bit. But, you know, I think it's really, really dangerous to compare yourself to other people all the time. And I think that's why I, I don't really care for this, this media uh, culture that we have because we're constantly being compared to, uh, you know, to, to celebrities and people who have achieved mm. this, you know, such and such a thing, you know, well, we're all different. We all have different gifts. We all have different problems. Um, but in, in that way, we're all alike, you mm. know, that we, we are in the human condition. <laughs> we are being <laughs> that we have human issues to deal with. And, uh, but from an individual point of view, it's important to respect your own life 
And I think one of the ways to help overcome fear is to boost your confidence. And the way to boost your confidence is to get experience, mm-hmm. uh, to educate yourself, mm-hmm. to um, to know as much as you can know. Um, and this is where, you know, even Siri would tell you, uh, don't. Don't let Siri do all your thinking for you. you know, the, the original computer is in your head. You know, hmm. it's the human, the human brain. And like anything else, if you don't use it, it's going to atrophy. <laughs> it's not going to be there when you need it. Yes. So use the brain. It's important to go through a process of learning. And you, you, just, you don't want to rely on Siri or Alexa or, or whoever uh, to solve all your problems for you. You've mm-hmm. got to really do that as a human being and to, to really grow and learn. You've got to do those things yourself. Wow. Sure. We've just been taught, huh? Dropping pearls of wisdom, Susan. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, those are just my own observations. So, yeah. But by education, what, 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 what do you mean? Because now I'm going to put this into perspective in, in South Africa, there's a, there, there has been a, a lot of um, I guess riffraff and fighting between the, the government and the students because the price of education is too high and there's a lot of kids um, or students rather that can't afford to get like a decent institutional education. So let's define a way um, education for some of those people that can't access like an institution where you know, fees need to be paid and don't, they don't have those right. fees or don't live nearby where they can actually access a, an institution. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, it's really tough to address that issue. Uh, if it's, you know, for a person that, that's living in a situation where they don't have access to books or to computers or anything like that, it's difficult. It's, you know, I, I really wouldn't know how to speak to that just because of my own person, my own personal experience, um, doesn't include, you know, living in that type of situation. Mm-hmm. I would just say that any way that you can expand your mind, I mean, if you, to work with someone who's knowledgeable about a particular thing, you know, become an intern with that person or, or, you know, get to know that person and, you know, don't uh, don't throw away your elders. You know, believe it or not, they have learned a thing or two, and and don't just write them off because they're old. <laughs> Many times they will will have some wisdom to uh, to share with you. Uh, so just any time that you can try to improve yourself in some way, I think that's a type of education. Mm. You know, it doesn't mean mm. you have to definitely have to go to university unless you're mm. looking to partic- do a particular thing. And we have the same problem here in the States. Hmm. Uh, a private university education is just ridiculously pricey. You know, it's like like to go to Brown University now, I think it's close to $70,000 a year. Freak. That's impossible. I mean, uh, a good portion of the population doesn't make that in a year, you know? And so uh, it's... Yeah, something needs to be done about the educational system, uh, for sure. And, and, you know, teachers are badly paid and yeah, it's, everything is pretty topsy turvy right now. And I'm, and I'm just holding on to the fact that they say that in history, everything goes in cycles. And I'm really, really waiting for that, that cycle to come around where, we, <laughs> where we're respecting, you know, teachers and, and education again, because, uh, it is important and you don't want to give your brain totally over to the, uh, to the, you know, the virtual assistants, mm. you know, we, we have brains and, and they do work and they're incredible. And you have to remember that 
none of these, you know, computers or anything would exist if it weren't for the human brains and people like Bill Gates and, you know, Steve Jobs and, you know, Stephen Hawking and Elon Musk and all these people, you know, it started off with the human brain. So mm, just don't forget mm, that. Mm. Don't, don't, uh, don't underestimate it. <laughs> wow. Sheesh. You know, there's, there's, there's so much, there's so much to, 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 to learn from you. I feel, I feel like that, you know, all the books and all the information that you consumed over the years, you know, just made you this great library. I'd love to sit at and actually open these different books and learn from these different <laughs> <laughs> experiences that, that, that you've had. Looking at your, your, your life now and how it turned out, if you had to look at your younger self, I know you, you get asked this a lot. What would you say to her? Oh, I would probably say, don't be as so afraid, you know, go ahead and, and take chances. Uh, you know, a lot of times we learn so much about life in our first five years of life. And of course, we learn that from our parents. And I was raised by people who lived in an era of a major depression and two world wars. And so, of course, they're going to have a different take on life. They're going to be cautious. They're going to be reserved. They're going to be careful people, which they were to begin with. Um, and so I was raised by people that kind of encouraged not taking risks, you know, and so um, I had to work through that on my own. And, you know, I would have to say I, I did not take risks. Uh, I, I would have, I would, you know, periodically be able to, to jump out of that, you know, um, that way of thinking. But, you know, it ultimately, regardless of what we've learned, you know, as children, um, and I don't think we, we entirely escape that in, in, in our lifetimes. Um, certainly it was a huge influence. Our parents and our families are a huge influence. Hmm. Um, and I, but I think that we have to, you know, as we keep getting older, we have to really get to know ourselves hmm. and figure out what it is that we want to do. And, um, and, and try to just make ourselves better. And of course, culturally speaking, there's, there's so much meanness out there now. And, yes, and, uh, yes, yes. I'm going to be doing a podcast with a, a wonderful author and journalist and speaker named Rand, Randall Kenneth Jones. And you can look him up at name.com. And the podcast is called, um, Jones.show. And I'm going to be doing his announcing uh, material for him and also contributing different inspirational quotes. But the whole point of our podcast is we're trying to be positive, trying to send, you know, positive messages, messages of encouragement to people. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, when you read the bios of, of really famous people or people who have been very, very successful, mm -hmm. the bottom line is that they just didn't give up. Mm. They didn't give up. Mm. They, they, they knew what they wanted. Of course, that, that's a key right there. For yes. many years, I didn't really know what I wanted. And <laughs> so I was fortunate to sort of fall into some of the things. Um, but, you know, if you just really, really keep at something, you know, eventually you will attain some sort of success in that area, I believe. Hmm. You know, but the, the, the major thing is don't quit. <laughs> just keep at it. Keep at it. Yeah, keep at it. Recycling is, is, is one of the, the topics that you are very passionate about. Um, do you want to, yes. do you want to, do you want to give that to us as, as your, um, final thoughts? Okay. Well, I'll have to say that recycling, I'm, I'm very disappointed in the fact that it's been, I think it's been like 45 years since the first Earth Day. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, 
people do not recycle and particularly gigantic hotels and people that really could make a difference uh, are still not recycling. And you know what? It's, it's a very simple thing to do. It does not take that much time. You know, I've got some little recycling bins just set up in my garage and I just, um, you know, there's, there's, there's only one recycling place near me that collects everything. And so I wait, you know, and I, I fill up the bins and every couple of weeks I drive up to this place and, and recycle. And it's just putting something forth that's a positive thing for the planet. We, you know, we throw so much stuff into the ocean and that's why I'm very supportive of a, a group called four, the, the number four mm-hmm. ocean. And they, uh, they don't accept donations, unfortunately, but they sell these little plastic bracelets that are recycled plastic from the oceans. And, uh, they're $20. And anybody that wants to, you know, buy a bracelet, any brace, every brace, bracelet that you buy is equivalent to taking a pound of plastic out of the ocean. So wow. it's their goal to get the plastic out of the oceans. And boy, oh boy, that's a, that's a big task <laughs> because we have some garbage islands in the oceans now. And, uh, to me, that's not acceptable. So they're, they're really, really trying to, to make a difference there. So I'm very, very supportive of recycling. It really doesn't take that much of your time. Just go ahead and do it. You know, mm-hmm. take those, take those aluminum cans and just put them all together, put them in a cycling, recycling place, you know, please <laughs> find, the time, find the time. And, uh, so that's, that's my major thing is recycling. I've, I've got a, a big, <laughs> I, I'm very much pro recycling. Mm-hmm. So a, a, a lot of the um, um, users of this phone that I'm not going to mention because of branding uh, purposes that Siri is on only get to hear the cheeky side and the smart side of, of Siri. What I would love for them to hear um, as, you know, listening to, to, to the show right now is a positive, motivating message to them. Okay. Um, original voice of Siri would like to say, Always face your fears. Always keep the faith. But above all else, always have a sense of humor. LOL. <laughs> That's how we wrap up the show. So how, how do people um, get in touch with you on, on social media and other platforms? Okay. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Seriously Susan. And that's Seriously S-I-R-I. O-U-S-L-Y. <laughs> Siri Husley. And um, my Facebook page is Susan Bennett. Um, um, oh, gosh. What is it? <laughs> um, let's see. Susan Bennett dash voice of Siri. Yeah. Oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for, for chilling with us and, 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 you know, inspiring us in, in ways that you have done. And, I think reflecting on the conversation and reflecting on, on life and where most of, you know, our listeners that listen to the show are, this has been very important and, 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 and a conversation that will help them navigate through their course of the, this course of their life. That's, that's, that's very challenging then that poses a lot of questions. You know, it's a fact finding mission. So trying to understand who they are as well and what's their place in the world. And when you hear such stories as yours, Susan, and, and how things played out and what you said with how you, you never know where, where you're going to end up. You never know how things That's are going to turn out. 
and and if you make a, a particular decision and it doesn't turn out well, well, hopefully you learn from that. So mm. you just have to make keep moving ahead and, and trying to make the right decisions. And, you know, you may reach a point in your life where you look back and go, oh, gee, I wish I hadn't done that. But but you did. And you made that decision at the time and you learned something from it. And so I think the main thing is to not get too down on yourself, you know, and, and understand that all adolescents go through this. Every single one of us mm. had this, this time in our life where we, we just didn't know what to do. We just didn't pick something, just pick something, pick something that interests you, pick something that you think you would do well and go from there. You know, just making a decision and going in one direction will will lead you somewhere else, you know, and uh, hopefully, <laughs> and, you know, there are no guarantees in life. You know, no one is ever going to be able to guarantee anything for you. You did, you know, you just have to kind of feel your way and just and try to be a good person all, along the way. <laughs> Wow. Well, Susan, thank you so much for, for coming through to the show. That was uh, Susan C. Bennett from live from Atlanta. Yo. Yes. Took the time out to, 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 to hang out with us. Um, you are listening to the youth leadership platform and of course engage with us at simply Bongani across all social media platforms. And we are going to carry on this conversation. I mean, Susan is going to keep dropping these pearls of wisdom as you heard um, the podcast that they're starting. We're going to bring you all those quotes, all those motivational talks um, to the show. I'm, I'm, I'm sure our kind mother will, will be so kind to um, <laughs> lend us that hand <laughs> and send those um, our way. Thank you for tuning into the youth leadership platform and from us and the rest of the team. Good day and God bless. This is cliffcentral.com.